So this morning, as we continue our series for the summer, The Basics for the Christian, this morning we hit on a couple of evangelism and discipleship. Now, discipleship is and has been really a hot topic in the Christian circles for the last few years, the last decade, really. Uh, Ministries such as Crew, which was formerly called Campus Crusades for Christ, uh, and the Navigators claim to exist to make disciples and train others to make disciples. Famous pastors have weighed in on the subject. John Piper, Mark Dever, John MacArthur, and Alistair Begg, to name a few. Baptist Church Planters has an entire program for intentional discipleship, as does ABWE. Even the GRBC has changed its focus slightly to highlight discipleship over the last few years. They've changed or recreated the mission statement to be of making disciples through healthy churches. Well, we have to ask then, what is a disciple? To put it simply, a disciple is someone who follows another's teaching and assists in the spreading of that teaching. So a Christian is a disciple as they accept Jesus' teaching and assist in spreading it. Disciples in the church are not some sort of second stage, higher stage, second tier believer. Being a Christian is being a disciple of Christ. These aren't working yet. All right. So... We ask next, then, what is discipleship? I was hoping that was going to be a little bit larger up there. But what is discipleship? I found this um, definition, and I, I liked it. It says, a disciple is someone who believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, intentionally learns from him, and strives to live more like him. Discipleship is a widely used word to describe a journey of spiritual growth. This growth happens as a person comes alongside another to witness to them, pray with them, study the Bible with them, and fellowship with them. This explanation is from the Navigators website, navigators.org. They have a very good explanation of what discipleship is. They also have training programs to help people uh, disciple others and how to do this. So discipleship is the growth of a believer in Christ and to disciple someone else is to help them, to pray with them, to study with them, to do life with them. So how does discipleship start? It starts by coming to Christ. Discipleship starts by coming to Christ. I'm looking, going to look at a couple of different passages. We're going to focus uh, first off in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. We know these verses. 
But we'll go ahead and read them. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. In verse 19 and the first part of verse 20 gives you the basics of how to do discipleship. Go, make disciples, bring someone to Christ. Baptize them through a local church. I have to say that I'm Baptist. Uh, and then the first part of 20, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. Make a disciple. That's the first part. So it starts by coming to Christ. And in verse, the first part of verse 19, it says, go make disciples. Discipleship begins with evangelism. Without evangelism, there is no discipleship. Jesus told us to go and make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. He expects us to go and to share the gospel. Jesus told at least some of the twelve when he called them that this was what he, they were going to do. Matthew four eighteen to 20 uh, reads this, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. He told them that they were going to be making disciples. You follow me. You're going to be a disciple of me, and I'm going to show you how to make other, others disciples of me. He called them to be fishers of men. Whoops. He called disciples, Jesus called disciples to call disciples. And out of a number of followers, Jesus called the original 12. We just read about three, uh, t uh, a couple of them there. But of, the, of a number of followers, he called the original 12. These he named apostles, sent ones, to proclaim his message. And we see that in Mark uh, 3, 13 to 19, and in Luke 6, 12 to 16. But these, these individuals, the apostles, they didn't create disciples of themselves, but called others to be disciples of Christ as they were. They weren't making disciples of themselves. There may be some who maybe followed Peter's theology a little bit more closely, but they were a disciple of Christ. There were we typically pick on the Corinthians, but there are some who you know, maybe followed Paul's theology a little closer and some followed Paul's theology a little closer. But Paul's issue there is we're in Christ. I didn't die for you. Yes, I taught you, but we follow Christ. 
God always chooses people to work through, to proclaim his message. He chose Noah. He chose Abraham, Moses, the prophets. The nation of Israel was called and chosen to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, Exodus 19.6. They were to direct the Gentile nations toward God. God works through, or you could say partners with people to proclaim his message, to proclaim him. Jesus told the 12 that they did not choose him, but he chose them and appointed them to go and bear fruit. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, I chose you and have appointed you to go bear fruits. So if you are a Christian, then you have been chosen by God and called by Christ to bear fruit. Bear fruit by living an obedient life. Bear fruit by sharing the gospel and leading others to Christ, making disciples. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Peter tells these believers, now granted these, he was writing to Jewish believers, but he's telling these believers, you're chosen, you're a royal priesthood, a people of God's own possession. Why? To do what? That you may proclaim his excellencies who, of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. You share the gospel. You make disciples. All of Christ's disciples are called to make disciples. They all of Christ's followers who are disciples are called to evangelize, to make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. The second part of verse 19 says, baptizing them. Upon salvation, the new believer has entered into discipleship with Christ. They have become a disciple, and the first command of these disciples is to be baptized. Disciples of Christ should be committed to following Jesus. And as we've already looked at, baptism is that public declaration of our unity with Christ and desire to follow him. It illustrates our allegiance to Jesus above all others. And at least four of the 12 12 apostles walked away from a somewhat lucrative fishing career to follow Jesus. Paul walked away from the earthly prestige of being a Pharisee for the sake of Christ. Jesus instructed 
that being a disciple of his was about denying self for Christ, counting the cost, discipline, determination, and dedication. Luke 9, 22 to 25, saying this, uh, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Further down in that chapter, Luke 9, verses 57 to 62. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let leave the dead to bury their own dead. But you, as far as you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at, at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. This brings us down to the first part of verse 20 of Matthew 28, teaching them. Once committed disciples are made, they need to be taught. New believers need instruction. All they know is the gospel, which they should never forget. But they need instruction on how to grow as a Christian and in their discipleship. This is why there are different curricula to help churches train and instruct. This is, that is why the study that we're doing on Wednesday nights this summer is, that's what it is. It is a discipleship curriculum, beginning with salvation and working through important themes, some of which we've duplicated in this series. This, and at the end of every section, it has a check and it says, are you comfortable with this to go teach it to someone else? If not, review until you are. It is built into this to be prepared to go teach someone else. To be a disciple making disciples. This is why we have our discipleship hour. Kids have the Sunday school class where they learn about Christ and the scriptures. Our adult Bible fellowship, our adult class, we gather around scripture to better understand it so that we may grow and walk with Christ and better know him. All of these are elements of discipleship. This is discipleship right here. 
but it, it is only so effective. Our Sunday school classes, our discipleship hour classes, they're only so effective. Maybe they're a little bit more effective because they're smaller. But they're only so effective. But new, that's, that's why it's important. If we have a new believer come in, we need to get them. They need to be here. They need to be in the class. And they need to be with us in service to start learning this information, to start learning to grow. Um, this slide is original to me. The information is not. Um, this information, most of the information I got from uh, a, a was it, the Church Solutions Conference that was held in Rochester in March, put on by ABWE. And a lot of the material in here is from one of the resources they used. This resources gives you a it's a growth chart, the phases of growing disciples. Their first spot, they name it as spiritually dead, is an unbeliever. Some here, somewhere in here, they become a Christian, they are born again. Infant. They, they're starting that discipleship journey. And now they're needing to learn to grow. And we continue to grow. You, can, uh, you may not be able to see here real well. Spiritually dead. What their trait, unbelief, rebellion towards God. What is their need? The gospel, new life, being born again. What is our task? To share life, to tell our story, our testimony. Give the gospel to them. Pray for them. Hopefully they become born again. So they're an infant. Where, what is their trait? Their ignorance, confusion, dependence. They don't know all the things that we do, having just led them to the Lord. So what do they need? They need growth. They need new habits to change habits from the old unsaved life into a life of a Christian. They need personal attention from us. They need us to share our lives, to teach them, to help them make these new habits. They grow to be children, a little more self, uh, self-dependent, a little more balanced in some things, but they still need to grow. A young adult, they're more uh, serving, while a child, the child stage is a little bit more still consumer and taking things in. Reaching level five, adult and parent, where they are intentional, where they are, can re- reproduce themselves. Because you look, I changed the arrow. You move in this direction, and then what do you do at five? You repeat. You don't hit and stop. You find someone else to do this with. You find someone else to do this with. And they should be getting someone to do this with. Growth and learning is part of spiritual maturity. That's what the writer of Hebrews was getting at in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12, uh, chapter 5, verse 12 through chapter 6, verse 2. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. 
But solid food is for the mature, for those who have the powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. He's not saying we don't forget the gospel. We hold on to the gospel, but we need to grow and move further and understand Christ more. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. We need to move on, leave the elementary doctrine. The elementary doctrine is the gospel. Christ is the Son of God. He came to earth. He died on the cross and was risen again. It's not forgetting these. These are essential to, these are essential doctrines but we need to move on into maturity. The more, this more than just, this is more than just knowing the facts about Jesus. This is about knowing Jesus and being like him. Romans 8, uh, Romans 8, 29 says, For those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be firstborn among many brothers. Conformed to the image of his Son. We are growing to be like Christ, to be Christ-like. We can't stay as infants. We can't stay as children. We need to continue to grow. Some of the, the conferences and classes I've been looking at, been involved in for the last six months to a year on this, we have seen for years that there are there are individuals who have been saved for 60 years, but they're stuck as a child. Or they're somewhere in between child and young adults. They're not making disciples. They're not growing. They're not serving really as maybe they should. And yet we might still have, we might have some that's been saved for two years that are transitioned between young adult and adult. 1 John 2, 4-6 says, For whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Our growth as Christians to become more Christ-like in our, our growth as Christians is to become more Christ-like in our behavior, our attitude, and our outlook. Our growth as Christians is to become more Christ-like in our behavior, attitude, and outlook. But scripture isn't just concerned with our personal discipleship. We need to be discipling others. We need to be reproducible. If you notice on that chart, you, what was it? It was spiritual, but we moved past there. It was what? 
infant, child, young adult, adult, or parent. What do we expect of parents? That they have children. In one sense, that they have reproduced. So we need to be reproducible. 2 Timothy 2.2, and these things that you have heard from me, heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. 2 Timothy 2.2, the biblical pattern for discipleship is one-on-one, life-on-life. The biblical pattern for discipleship is one-on-one, life-on-life. Found this in a pastor's group I'm in. I won't go into everything that we discussed there, but it says, Jesus didn't make disciples this way. Why do we? And it's kind of humorous, but he's trying to make a point. You think of Jesus teaching a class to the disciples. We can't expect discipleship to be a Sunday school class. There's only so much information that can be done there. What did Jesus do? He spent three years of his life with these men, day and night. They saw him. They worked alongside him. They witnessed what he did and how he did it. And they were told to go and do. We need to be reproducible. Yes, we have discipleship hour classes. Yes, there are other programs like Awana or Kids for Truth, small group settings, whatever. As I mentioned, even, even the sermons during a worship service is discipleship, but it is broad. These things can only do so much. Discipleship happens better when we share our lives with each other. God has hardwired us, especially as parents, to pour love and attention into another person to help them grow to be a, to a healthy maturity. Parenting is discipling. We see this very clearly in Scripture. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 to 7, And these words that I have commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. The parents were commanded, learn the commands, learn God's word and discuss them in every chance you get with your children. while you're walking, while you sit in your house, when you lie down, when you rise, rehearse them. We see this pattern through scripture. Moses and Joshua, Elijah and Elisha, Jesus and the 12. Jesus and more specifically, 
Peter, James, and John. Mark 3, 13 to 14. And he went up to the mountain and called them, called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him, and he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, that they might be with him. Notice that, that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. He called the 12, that they might be with him, that he could teach them personally. We see throughout the Gospels that Peter, James, and John are kind of a, an inner three where Jesus spent more time with them, where they saw and were able to experience things the others didn't. We think also of Paul and Timothy. Acts 16, verse 3. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews or in all those places, for they all knew his father was a Greek. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Jesus appointed the 12 so that they might be with him. Churches should be making disciples and leaders that reproduce and make more disciples and leaders. I told you I've been at varying classes and things about this for over the while. There is all sorts of curriculum on discipleship. A simple book simply kind of covering what we're covering today. Mark Dever's Nine, Nine Marks, Building Healthy Churches. Discipling, that's all he covers. The Multiplication Effect, this is on leadership. Hero Maker, uh, also multiplying leaders. Gaining by losing, this is more about uh, church planting. But you, you train to reproduce. These two, um, this is actually the one I got the information from the chart from. Equipping Disciples Who Make Disciples Real Life Discipleship. And their companion one, Leading the Disciple Shift, Becoming a Disciple-Making Church. These are both put out by Navigators. There are so many books and programs and things to talk about on discipling. There are tools out there. We can and should be using them. Churches should be making disciples. Disciples should be discipled so that they can disciple another. It never should end with whoever is being discipled. They should go find someone. I don't remember all the details of the story, and the story's not originally mine, so I, I, I'm, I'm borrowing it from John Jenks. Um, but he was setting up one of their leadership journeys, he had a gentleman who came in. You could tell, I mean, I think he was, he was 50s, 60s, off the farm, never had much more than maybe a junior high education, couldn't read very well or any of this, but he soaked up the information that was there. And the next year, he brought someone along with him who was kind of similar. And he got to the point of explaining it, and now it's, Remember, for you guys, you need to find, when you get out there, you need to find that guy that you're going to bring along and bring with you next year. 
And this new guy looks at him and says, I'm your guy, aren't I? Yep, don't worry, I'll take you through this. <laughs> That's what is supposed to happen. He found out later who his guy was that, that brought him along. But that's what's supposed to happen. Disciples should be discipled so that they can disciple someone else. Discipling is never just ending with one tier. It always goes down. Disciples to make disciples to make disciples who make disciples. But churches should be making not only disciples, but leaders. Leaders who are serving or leading serving in or leading a ministry, and they should be training those who could replace them in the ministry or program. That sounds like a very business approach. It certainly sounded that way to me. I certainly had that drilled into my head for four or five years at Home Depot. Have someone in your pipeline to take your job. Have someone who can fill in if you get promoted or transfer or leave for whatever reason. Have someone that can come in behind you. Or even better, in a church situation, have someone that if we're planting, that you can send out. Churches should be discipling Disciples and leaders that reproduce to make more disciples and leaders. And by extension, then, churches should be planting churches, sending out from the mother church the strong leaders and disciples that you have been working on so that you plant a church with people already established who know how to disciple. What does that mean for the mother church? You start over. You start discipling again and raising up leaders. A culture of disciple making, a culture of disciple making can lead to a culture of planting churches with a culture of disciple making. Think about it this for a second. There are 27 churches in the MARBC. If every single one of us had, has developed a culture of discipleship and are able to, maybe even not by ourselves, but with others, planting churches that also have that culture of discipleship who then develop disciples and leaders and plant a church that has a culture of disciple-making, that plants a church with a culture of disciple-making how many churches do you think would be in the MRBC? We'd probably be rivaling Michigan and Iowa, which is near hundreds and over hundreds. Churches need a culture of disciple making to reproduce disciples and leaders so we can reproduce churches. Discipling is fulfilling the command to be fruitful and multiply. God commanded Adam and Eve in, to be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 1, 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over all, every living thing that moves on the earth. God commanded, commanded Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. 
Now, that is being very literal in a natural physical sense. But Jesus essentially gave the same command in the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them all the things that I have commanded you. Go make disciples. Where? Of all nations. Acts 1.8, but you will, be, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. On a spiritual level, we have been told, be fruitful and multiply. And we see that in the beginning in the book of Acts. How the Lord blessed and the church grew. Now Jerusalem needed a, bit, a little bit of a kick in the pants to get out of Jerusalem. But once it spread, things spread. That's why the, the apostles went out. That's why Paul went out. Jesus' marching orders for the church was to be fruitful and multiply. As we wind down now, I'm going to ask this question. You recognize this statement? Knowing Christ and making him known. Do you recognize that statement? I hope you do. You've seen it every week for the last year and a half. It's on the front of the bulletin. It's our church motto or even our mission statement. Now, I didn't come up with it. As far as I know, Pastor Ken did. But for the life of me, I cannot come up with a better one. This simple statement hits on what we should be focusing on. Discipleship and evangelism. Knowing Christ, our own salvation and our own growth as a disciple, making him known, are proclaiming the gospel to the world and discipling others. Knowing Christ and making him known. Both touch on evangelism and discipleship. Last month when we were at the uh, General Association Annual Conference, Ken Floyd, the uh, state rep, executive director, I forget his title, of the Michigan Association, was one of the speakers. And he gave this account of a church that had just celebrated a very significant anniversary year. And I'll tell you that number in just a second. This was Colon Baptist Church in Colon, Michigan. He would, he said that this, this last one that he went to for their anniversary, that was a very good experience to be there. But he said not every time he went to visit, it was pleasant for him or for the church in varying reasons because he had to push them in some things. He said he would tell his wife every year when he would make his trip, well, it's time for my annual colonoscopy. The joke's right there. He took it. He said their uh, anniversary Sunday was actually the Sunday immediately before 
the conference in Grand Rapids. He said at there, uh, at that anniversary, it was 185 years. He said they rehearsed most, if not all, of their history. And there were some difficult times in their history. There were a number of times where they questioned if they had to close. And one of the times that he mentioned was being in a very rural area. Some of the farmers were deacons and they were discussing, do we even keep this thing going? And of course, this made its way back to their wives and their wives said, can't we at least keep it open for Sunday school for our kids? Let's at least have something for our kids. And they said, yeah, we'll, we'll at least keep it open for that. And within a year or a few, I don't remember the time frame, it started growing again. I'm sitting 50 feet from him in the third row. Nearly balding. Because I've now seen an example of churches walking through dark times and surviving. I'm going to make a statement that you may or may not like, but our church needs to change. We need to become a church with a culture of discipleship and evangelism where we may not see 185 years. Our church needs to change. No, I am as guilty as the next person. This is difficult for me as well. This is not my strong suit to strike up a conversation with somebody I don't know or barely know. And that's why I know we all need to do better at this. I have been, had this information time and again pushed in my face for the last year and a half. I need to do better at it. We all need to do better at it. You say, I don't know what to do. I don't have the tools. I can get you tools. I have tools available. A four-week study on John provided by Tim Capon. I've got them in the back. I have the notes from How to Share Jesus Without Fear from Dan Herman. There was a lot of information that Sunday, but I have his notes that you can take home. I've got extra copies of the book that we're going through on Wednesday nights. And if we need more, I will get more. 
I can get you the tools. I will work with you. I will work with you on how to use the tools. I'm sorry. I will work with you on how to use the tools. But having the tools isn't enough. We need to take them. We need to use them. But let's change our church from inward focus, survival, to outward focus, discipling, and evangelizing. Let's, have, let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the truth that you have shown us in your word, that you have provided for us, the examples you have given to us even in your word. We have the example of Christ working with his disciples. We have the example of Paul working with Timothy and others and even instructing Timothy to teach others. Father, we might have the information. We have access to tools. But we need to act. Some of us may be afraid don't know how to say, don't know what to say. But help us to rely on you. Help us to not be guilty of the sin of silence, but to at least share the gospel, whether it's through our testimony. Help us to find someone that we can be discipling, to be sharing the gospel with, Help us even to find someone to help mentor us. Father, we need to be dis- we need to disciple. We need to share. Bring the individuals into our lives who we need to reach. Give us the courage and the words to speak. Help us to develop a culture of evangelism and discipleship that we may continue to reach Brownsdale and the surrounding area with the gospel of Christ. We pray these things, Father, in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.